Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is an author and private security contractor who has been a successful teacher for over 10 years and a practicing martial artist for over 20. His personal teaching philosophy emphasizes mastery of fundamentals and the real confidence and personal achievement earned through dedication and hard work. He has also served as a licensed substitute music teacher for several local school districts, has been a clarinetist for over 20 years, performing actively around the greater Chicago area, Northwest Indiana, and internationally. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Frank Dello. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, first of all, I love the fact that you're a substitute music teacher. That's one thing that I have three kids and music is and was such a huge part of their lives. So, so thank you for doing that. That's so cool. Oh yeah. I, this is uh part of my, uh, one of my future books, actually, I, the, uh, the path of music, uh, and the path of martial arts have become very uh, interconnected for me over the years. Oh, cool. I feel like there's, there's a lot of universal concepts and truths that, that connect the two practices. So, at some point when I get the time or when I make the time, I'll <laughs> crank out another, another book on that topic. Awesome. That'll be cool. Well, kind of how, how we kick things off on the show. I want to go back to the very beginning. You know, I mentioned you'd been in you know martial arts over 20 years. I just want to know kind of where it started. Where, where was that first spark? Kind of what led to your first interest in martial arts and, and what kicked off that martial arts journey for you? Yeah. Well, I'm a kid of my generation. You know, I was born uh, 1981, and uh, I grew up through the era of like Ninja Turtles and He Man and that kind of stuff. So, like any other kid my age, I enjoyed the uh, uh, the boy entertainment. You know, mm -hmm. uh, people swinging weapons at each other. My dad facilitated by uh, you know at the time I thought it was just him playing uh, swords with me, mm -hmm. but you know as I detail in the book, uh, he was actually introducing me to uh, our family's Filipino martial arts system at the same time. So oh. technically, if you count my childhood play, like between between Ninja Turtles and my dad playing with me like a, like a good dad, that was my earliest introduction to martial arts. I didn't realize until adulthood, really, that he had been teaching me like a formal martial arts system at all. Wow. I had to go out and do seminars with people. You know, I, we were pretty blessed here in the Chicago area with, with martial arts talent and, and big names coming through, uh, through town and uh, one or two seminars in. And I realized we're learning all the same moves that I learned growing up. <laughs> right. So I have to, I went back to dad and like, Hey, you know, is this, you know, is this a thing? And like, yeah, no, I just didn't think you'd be interested in our, in our farm games. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how he thought of it. It's just, that's how we played in the farm. Wow. Um, so I, I think we, the, the whole flow of popularity of Filipino martial arts in, in the U S and abroad uh, mm -hmm. kind of passed him by. So it's cool to kind of come back around to that and uh, be able to, to hold up my family's material into today's generation and today's audience. That's really cool. But that's, that's my going back to the question. That's my mm -hmm. earliest, earliest introduction uh, from there. Um, you know, like, uh, like a lot of kids into the nineties, I, uh, I joined the local uh, Taekwondo school. Okay. So I have a, a first degree black belt uh, in Taekwondo from, from those years. And it kind of helped me build more of my broader martial arts base. Okay. Which, do you remember which so, system, which system of Taekwondo it was? Um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was W2F. Okay. I was unaware of it at the time. I just knew like, actually it must've switched at some point because mm -hmm. right when I hit my like deputy belts, I, I don't know if they call them anything different now, but you know, we had, we had a couple like deputy belts before you hit black belt. And right when we hit deputy belt, they told us to learn a whole different set of forms. Okay. So at some point the school I was at must've switched 
switched uh, organizations or material or something. Been through the same thing. So I <laughs> went through that too. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. So do, what do you mean now, now that was your first like organized official school you trained at? Did you get involved in competition while you were there at all? I didn't as much. I think uh, our school was one that was kind of more uh, internally focused. So I, I didn't really, uh, this, this sounds kind of funny, but like I, I didn't really compete until I left home to go to school and they had like, you know, other martial arts clubs to, mm-hmm. to play with in, in college. Okay. So, so what was next after, after, after Taekwondo, what was your next? Well, so the, the, this is where the music part kind of figures in. Okay. I knew I was advancing in, in music enough where I didn't want to continue a system that, that was p- going to potentially hurt my hands or, or diminish my, um, my dexterity. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm a clarinetist. I, you know, you, you need the, you need your fingers a lot. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, so that took me down the path of exploring like so-called soft styles, internal systems. You know, I floated through different Japanese and Chinese uh, in softer arts and, Eventually, uh, I landed on uh, Baguazhang, the um, okay. circle walking art. I don't know how familiar people are with it, mm-hmm. but uh, I practiced that in a general sense from assorted teachers. Just music took me a, a lot of different places, and I would try to make a point to uh, look up teachers in in the area that I that music took me, and just see if I could cross hands with people and learn a little something. So it was it was actually really cool. Uh, yeah, I met a lot of great teachers, got a little slices of uh, internal martial arts movement and concepts. I was always able to come home and test those in like a pressure testing sense with with my friends uh, back home. And then at some point I ran into the Magwe Bagwajang lineage. I ran into uh, one of my teacher's students in uh, Canada, just seemingly by chance that kind of narrowed down the specific lineage of Bagwajang that I practice now. Okay. It, it uh, fit my character, my, my outlook. And uh, it, it demonstrated a lot of, a lot of uh, practical, like physical and martial skill at, at even the basic levels. So it kind of, I got enamored with that system and that's, that's what I've been practicing now since I um, oh gosh, in 2011. Okay. And my, my teacher in, is uh, Lee Bahua. He's the current lineage holder. He currently he's living in um, like the uh, Tokyo suburbs somewhere. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. That's that's where that's where things led from there. And I um, at my school now we uh, we teach a, a mishmash of all these things together. You know, my Filipino martial arts. Our combined curriculum has some of the material from our Taekwondo days because three out of four instructors at school have a Taekwondo black belt of some level. So it was easy to kind of combine our past experience there. Nice. And then most of us have a Chinese martial arts background of some kind. So we've been able to, to add, uh, add that to the mix. And it's a pretty, pretty satisfying and a well-rounded curriculum. Yeah. I was just looking at on the, on the website. Yeah. Quite a, quite a nice variety. I mean, said you know filipino martial arts and jeet kune do and tai chi kung fu and and my business partner is a wrestler too so at some point at some point people get to play with him too and it's you know since uh, a lot of what we're doing with the rest of the curriculum is striking arts okay you know having having a base introduction to the ground that way it's, it's uh it's very um I don't know, it, it's satisfying mm-hmm. i guess okay so uh, what style what school what belt level did you first start getting involved with the teaching aspect of martial arts well i, I guess that started with taekwondo okay. because uh at some point at least at our school at some point you're responsible to help the belts the earlier belts below you mm-hmm. so i got a little little bit of experience communicating martial arts to other people that's where I started to figure out too um, how important teaching is to your personal understanding of your own practice. Is mm-hmm. uh, you know performing things is one thing. You know you have a, an internal body understanding of it, but to have to go through the exercise of communicating it in words to another person with completely different body, trying to find uh, the ways that it makes sense to them. You know it's, it's it gives you a whole dimension, a whole different dimension of information for your practice. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed when I started teaching, I, I definitely understood my own technique a lot better. And, and I, and I mentioned this before when I, when I was just a student, I had my set of notes on all my techniques. And then when I started teaching, 
I pretty much redid most of my notes because I looked at them from a different angle and the way I taught them was different than how I learned them. So I had, I had basically my instructor notes <laughs> and my student notes you know, for the same exact technique. And it's, it's a whole nother depth of knowledge once you start teaching to other people, I think. Yeah. I mean, and I, I took this path to at least some portion of my, my extended career, you know, teaching, teaching everything besides, besides just martial arts, you know, my bachelor's is in uh, music education, so had a lot of formal classes of learning to teach. And you get a lot of information there, but everyone will tell you, uh, you you get the most knowledge just in the field actually teaching. There's only so much those college classes will will help you with when you're actually in a classroom of your own. Right. But um, I got to, over the years, I really got to uh, explore that idea of like how to communicate, you know, big classes, small classes. I still feel like I, I excel more in the small group or private setting because, you know, I have one brain to figure out and then try to communicate to them. Classrooms can be such a big mix. And, um, you know, I've seen it in both in elementary school classrooms and in my own group classes. Everybody's brain is different and you have to find bigger, broader ways to communicate that doesn't always get all the details that every student needs. So that's that's kind of the sacrifice of of large group teaching, right? You convey a lot, but it can only go so deep because you can't cover the bell curve of brains in there. So, nice. so think back to then the Taekwondo school, you first started teaching to now you're running your own school. What do you think has changed the most about your teaching style over the years? I've grown, I think a lot more concise, at least on the mat. Part of my, my main concerns is pacing and the flow of time in a class. Because if you if you sit and discuss a point too long, it doesn't matter if it's an adult or a kid, they'll just glaze over and you lose attention. So I've tried to find ways to communicate as close to the point as possible in the shortest amount of time that still makes sense. And then um, once we establish kind of the general general concepts... I try to find the shortest cues possible to help remind. You know, I, I, I got this idea from, there's a strength coach in Texas uh, named Mark Ripito. He wrote the book Starting Strength. He's a great resource on, on basic fundamental strength training. He does this pattern when he's giving the physical cues for, for big lifts. Mm-hmm. He'll explain the concept, coach you through the lift, but then... All the major sticking points, he'll find a single single word cue or, or a short cue. Like, okay, you know, you're stuck in this part of the deadlift. He'll call out, you know, hips. And then the student understands when he calls out hips, there's a specific thing that they need to fix. And then they, they just do it by hearing the word. So it's, it's a short, a very short cue. I like that pattern because it gets to the point and people still get to move and, and continue what they're doing. You know, like, for instance, uh, Filipino martial arts. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, um, some of my students, they still, they'll still fight. They have the weapon in their dominant hand, but they have their, their offhand in front, kind of like a, you know, orthodox boxing stance, which is fine, except you're leading, now you're leading with meat. (laughs) You know, your hand is in front and it's a weapon fight. It's a different dynamic. So part of my verbal cue is I'll just call out, you know, you're leading with meat or, or call out meat. You know, it's, it's a, it's a double joke because, you know, my, my students in, know how much I enjoy eating. <laughs> so, you know, I, those, those worlds cross over in class, but nice. they also know that they have some appendage out in front where the weapon should be leading and protecting them. Okay. You know, that's the kind of, to go back to the question, that's the kind of teaching I'm, I'm trying to do is, is, uh, broadly understandable, concise, at least in during, during the teaching. Clearly, it's taking more words to explain the, the approach now, but that's probably a good thing, though. Yeah, I've seen what happens when you go into lecture mode at the wrong time in the wrong place with the wrong audience, and I just feel like on the mat it needs it needs a different mode of teaching. Now, if, let's say you're in a seminar, like a long weekend seminar. I think to get the most out of those, you need those short periods of of more lecture explanation, so you're not just learning you know, a hundred different drills and then, you know, goodbye, the weekend's over and right. you're just kind of stuck with whatever you can cobble together with your notes. Actually, I did this, uh, yesterday I was at, um, anime Midwest. It's a big uh, anime convention here in the Chicago area. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I was able to do a, a Filipino martial arts panel for them. Nice. And of course, that audience, you're lucky if anyone's thought of protecting themselves at all, <laughs> let alone picking up a formal martial art, right? Right. So in there, I have to think of how do I communicate this concern of protecting yourself to this audience who's it's not their main concern or it's never crossed their mind but also satisfy some of the experienced martial arts who come in there out of uh, curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it comes back to these big basic cues and some of, a lot of this I detail in the book, just reducing the, the concept of striking angles, for instance, to down to our quadrants of, we have four quadrants and a center line. That's, you know, that's our system is Cinco Teros. So four quadrants and a center line, try to reduce all the possible striking options to these general zones and it's something they they start to get. I mean, not everyone's a master when they go to their the, the anime anime convention panel, but right. I saw a lot of people they're already moving and applying the principles in a way that's at least for for baseline self defense. It's already useful. It's already effective. Yeah, you know, and they could they could have the rest of their lives to polish it if they want. But I don't I don't know if I'll ever see these people again. Mm-hmm. Or if, if people walk into my school and for a trial class, I don't know if they'll ever stick around. So I want these lessons to stick. I want these ideas to stick. So if I can give them something big, broad, and easy to remember, easy to understand, then maybe they'll keep it longer and maybe it'll keep them safe. That's cool. I like that. So think back to your Taekwondo black belt test and then your your test for whether it's Filipino martial arts, Kung Fu, kind of compare of like for people who maybe don't know the different styles, just you, know, you don't have to go completely in depth, but just a few of the main differences in like testing for a belt for a more well-known system like Taekwondo, you know, versus some of the, you know, other systems you've studied, just a few of the differences in the, in the testing requirements. Yeah. So my Taekwondo black belt test was probably the most formalized affair okay. uh, as far as, you know, like we took a day and you, you know, series of warm ups. you have to, for my school, we had to submit like a written essay and like the pattern is very organized. It imparts a certain weight, like social weight to, to the affair. And I, I do enjoy that pattern. It's certainly a lot of physical and mental stress is you're, you're trying to remember all of the curriculum that they could possibly pull out or uh, you're exhausted and they want you to do some more spinning kicks and that kind of thing. E- even the testing experience, you, you, it's a learning experience to work through. My other arts have not been as like as formal as far as uh, how progress is measured. I mean, my, uh, my Bagua teacher, basically you just keep training with him. He keeps telling you, you're getting better at this or, or, or worse at this. Like he just keeps teaching you. And then one day you're, you're told that you have a certain, like you've mastered a certain portion or you're allowed to teach certain material. Okay. So I know some, some other lineages, some others, uh, Kung Fu styles, they'll have a little more formalized affairs. I mean, even to join, join the lineage, like some people you have to, to pledge discipleship still, or, or, you know, uh, real formalized, ritualized uh, events. My my teacher just kind of like, okay, you took the trouble to, to find me and train with me. You're a student now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> nice. So, and he, uh, he's told, he said himself, like he's not, he's a more modern style teacher. He's trying to preserve classic, our, our classic art, but there's, you know, there's, there's some of the like cultural trappings that he doesn't want to have to bind us to. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking that example as well. Like it's kind of it, to me, it's two two sides of a spectrum. Yeah, and then as far as the Filipino martial arts go, like I just grew up with it. It, it wasn't even a martial arts frame of mind that I that I learned it in. It was just play. You know, it, it would be like playing Monopoly for your whole life, and then one day somebody hands you a, like a like a a business degree, and you just you just didn't realize that you were we're working on something like that your whole life. So I know other, some of the other Filipino martial arts systems, they've taken time to you know, organize curriculum in a certain way, organize ranks and tests. I think that's important, especially for systems that have like a large body of curriculum mm-hmm. and, you know, a larger, say a larger presence, you know, it, it's kind of a, a, a quality control thing. You don't want to just hand everybody a piece of paper that says 
they're allowed to teach. Right. And, you know, God knows what the, the quality of it is. So I haven't really formalized that in my own, uh, my own family system yet. It's just, we play a lot in class. I, I, I even refer to it as play in class and people see their skill develop and we honestly discuss it. You know, everyone's helping each other and it's kind of, it's not super formalized, but it, it's structured to help everyone continuously improve. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does actually. At least that's what I'm striving for. I mean, you can probably ask my students if, if they think they're <laughs> successful with it. But. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned your, your school and how you, I'm just kind of curious what led to the decision to open your own school. It uh, actually kind of fell in our laps at one point. So we officially opened in 20, 2015, but before that, the other instructors and I were just working part-time for like a local, you know, corporate uh, chain school, you know, uh, a franchise school. Okay. Kind of, I mean, in my opinion, kind of watered down curriculum, the funny business practices, which is why it led to it closing, I think, eventually. But at the time that that old school closed, we'd collected this body of instructors who had, each of us had a unique and, and valuable martial arts background. So we, we just kind of sat together and like, well, we have the membership of the school that if we do nothing, it's just going to close and they're going to go away to some other place or they're just going to quit martial arts. Right. Or we can take the risk and try to open up our own private school. So that's, that's what we did. I mean... This this is a bad habit I have for for martial arts of just kind of charging in and and uh, like waiting to take punishment. <laughs> so in, in the business world, that's what we did. We just you know I put my head down and like okay, let's open a school. You, know, you start learning lessons the hard way. Get you know getting those hits in the face, like learning all the the legal business stuff, understanding business and money. I mean, none of us were business people. We we're just martial artists who wanted to teach. But that's, that's kind of what happened, you know, old school closed, different curriculum, and we decided to combine a large portion of our individual knowledge into a unified curriculum. And then, of course, offering separate classes for each of our individual arts. Nice. You know, it's it's been, it's 2023 now, mm-hmm. uh, eight years. Okay. And we've had a lot of hard lessons, you know, learning uh, uh, cash flow and being in and out of different locations in the area just trying to figure our way, but it's helped us get stronger. It's helped us build better um, school processes, you know, all like the day-to-day stuff to run a school. Right. So yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Okay. I can still afford to grow a bit more, but yeah, the school fell in our lap, but it it felt like the right, it was kind of uh, the, the circumstances lined up and I think it was, it was the right call. And I feel like it's leading us to a a good direction as long as I keep up the hard work and, and, uh, Maybe learn some of the lessons, uh, not the hard way. Like, <laughs> and ask, ask some es- experts and, and learn things. And, and uh, good, that's cool. Well, congrats on that. That's awesome. So then, uh, definitely want to mention the book. Uh, that's kind of how I found you anyway, and how we found, found each other. I mean, is your book. So talk about that. What you know, what what was the decision that led to write the book, and then just talk a little bit about what people can find in the book. Yeah, well, that came during a time where. I mean, I'm sure everyone remembers we we were all given suddenly extra time to be at home. Uh-huh. So I needed something to do. I mean, even the school was put on hold. Like we were at some point, it was like literally threat of law enforcement if you try to open a, something uh, physically or, or like with, with the exercise related uh, business. Mm-hmm. So like we just could not operate the way we were. So I, I sat down and, and tried to outline at least uh, what what I knew of the system. Dad's still here. He's still around. But uh, it gave me time to talk to him more and try to unearth some more family history. You know, he ended up sharing more more of his personal notes with me on the, on the martial, martial arts, uh, like specific techniques and curriculum that he'd used before. But yeah, it was kind of a labor of love. Yeah, I, I wanted to preserve some of that legacy. And in a way... It was one of my efforts to kind of reconnect to uh, my home culture, their culture of origin. Because, like I said, I grew up here in the U.S. in the 80s and 90s, find, trying to find my place as an American. And the way you look at your home culture as an immigrant, like immigrant family, can can vary. It seems like some cultures, you're here in the country, but we you remain a product of your uh, culture of origin. 
some people they, they get here and it's like they cast off everything that from their culture of origin and they're they dive wholesale into into the the new country i felt like i was kind of always on the fence i love america and i and i love the philippines via my family like mm-hmm. that's so i think writing the book was a little bit cathartic to me to kind of help me figure out more of my place in 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 between these two these two cultures and in a way help help people appreciate across the cultures i mean i can't say i'm like fully one or the other like it's always going to be this this blend so i feel like that's part of what you'll get in the book you'll even see something i put some personal anecdotes in there from just family life and growing up because i feel like it's important as far as understanding the martial art right to understand some of those experiences. I like it. I'm assuming that's your dad in a lot of the pictures with you. Yes. It's me and dad. That's cool. Uh, we took a day with uh, a photographer friend and, um, you know, he just basically took pictures of me getting beat up. <laughs> I bet your dad got a kick out of that though. That had to be kind of fun for him. Oh yeah. I think he didn't, I'm sure I said earlier, he always kind of viewed this as just farm games. Like he didn't put a lot of importance onto it to a certain point, but I think once he actually saw like, the first copy of it in print it's like oh it's actually that important now that's cool and i could you not as soon as i hand him that first copy of the book he goes back into his room and he hands me a whole separate book of notes that he had kept and oh, basically wow. all he, he says okay here's the beginning of book number two <laughs> that's so, awesome so like it made me curious like how much extra are you holding back from me <laughs> but you know but at the same time i'm excited because that's just more that I can share when I, when I can get down and get it written. That's really yeah. cool. I mean, that's congrats. I mean, that's awesome. And it has, it's been pretty well received then people are enjoying it so far. I mean, last I checked on Amazon, we're at, we're at a healthy four stars. Okay. I've seen some people um, complain. I mean, it's the internet. Everyone's going to find something to complain about, but right. I've seen some complaints that it's not a college textbook, basically, you know, like uh, the not enough details or, or um, somebody complained about pictures being blurry. You're like, A, I don't see your book out. <laughs> yep. and, and B, I tell people like, this is not meant to be like a college textbook. It's not meant to be a high level, like advanced academic book. There's plenty of books out there that are like that, that they're, they're great if you study in that mode. But my personal mission with all of this is to be broadly understood. I want to I help people by being the gateway to these arts. That's part of uh, even the the description of the book. You know, it's meant to be a gateway into the broader world of martial arts. Right. Like, and and the, so, the, the title, Five Angles, The Practical Fundamentals of the World of Filipino Martial Arts of Eskrima, Arnis, and Cali. And I'll, I will put a link for that out there when the show comes out for sure. Great. Thank you. I mean, but you see what I'm saying? Like, we have plenty of people trying to make it sound like really advanced or secretive or mm-hmm. less accessible. I'm trying to come out here with open arms, with a with an open door. Maybe you've never seen any martial arts before. Mm-hmm. Let's let's start with this at least. I just I don't see if we want arts to survive. I don't see why there has to be a layer of of inaccessibility. I mean, there's already a paywall. You're right. You like right. you 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 pay for a copy of the book. You know, I'm not bleeding you dry like a, like college tuition or anything. <laughs> yeah. Just. It would be nice to get something back for the effort that I put in to write it, you know, to layer on top of that, these, these kind of like, you have to be part of the clique or club or, or, uh, you know, these other layers of keeping people at a distance. Like, I just, I don't see the value of that, especially if your goal is to share, like, is your goal really to share what you have or is it to feel, is it, is it focused on yourself or your, or your group? Right. right. I'm trying to like avoid that. those kind of trappings and really make it broadly available. So now you, at the beginning, you talked about, you know, obviously a second book you want to write at some point. So other than a second book, what say, you know, five years, what, what's your goal martial arts wise in the next five years? What do you want to accomplish? I would love to have more than one location. Oh, um, nice. The, um, I'm aiming regionally. Okay. I mean, the school here in, in the, the Chicago area, that, that's, of course, that's our first one. And we have to make the model model work as far as business goes. Mm-hmm. But I'm a big believer in the curriculum we've assembled and the different, you know, the, the different martial arts that we represent. Uh, and I feel like it'll be well received in other parts of the country once we have the business model really, really refined. 
I don't want to get ahead of myself because right. I don't think I have enough money to. Yeah. I feel like it's a good time to have schools like that. I mean, we've seen we've seen the rise and success of of the um, sport MMA world, mm-hmm. which it's, it in itself is a mix of of uh, effective martial arts for for a certain for a certain uh, setting. Right. Right. So I would like to have more than one location within these five years. I enjoy speaking and, and teaching. You know, like uh, I mentioned the the anime convention mm-hmm. earlier. I, I enjoy traveling to do events, so I would like to be able to do more of that. At least for martial arts, I've been around a couple different cities just sharing some of what I have with, with other martial arts friends and colleagues. And, you know, usually in a mixed setting of like other other Filipino martial arts or, or other martial arts in general. But I would like to be able to do more of that as well. I would like to have, I've been trying to work on this uh, time and energy uh aren't always in my favor, but I would like to get my book translated into more languages. Oh, okay. So, so that I can take the translations of the, those books to the, to the different countries and, and make it a speaking, uh, speaking and training opportunity as well. Cause I, I mean, I, I've seen uh, F- Filipino martial arts is already an international phenomenon. Like I, I've met some of my best friends in Filipino martial arts are from Europe and, and abroad. I want I want to be able to connect with and support these uh these growing groups of uh, Filipino martial arts enthusiasts around around the world. Yeah, more translations, more speaking, more training. Okay. Uh, good. Some good goals. I should probably give myself a vacation at some point. <laughs> Those are nice every now and then. <laughs> yeah. So you you mentioned uh you mentioned MMA, so I'm curious and what are, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC and is that something you're a fan of? I mean, I'm not a diehard fan where I, I keep up with every single every single event, every right. single fighter. I do appreciate it. It has a, a real important place in martial history is shaking up the martial arts world, kind of reminding us lessons of relevance and effectiveness, pressure testing. I think there's there's uh, extreme views in either direction or multiple directions. I've heard some people say MMA is, is the best way and everything else is is trash or you know something to that effect and then i've i've heard other people mma is only a sport and it's going to get you killed on the street I, I've, I've heard all the different opinions i'm sure your audience <laughs> oh, yeah. is as well definitely i see it as valuable like you certainly need some amount of pressure testing whatever you train you need enough pressure testing to be honest about what you're actually capable of and what your art can and can't do for you on the other side i think we need to understand the context of of modern MMA as a sport, and whether we like it or not, it's your training. When you train in an MMA format, you're training with certain assumptions of you know mainly like a ref jumping in or or a certain amount of medical care at the ready. There's a context to it. So if you can harness the uh, athleticism and the martial tools from MMA training, but still be honest about the uh, the capabilities in other contexts like then then it's fine I, I just think um, people tend to get let's say a, like a fan's view of it as opposed to a, a broader more realistic view of of everything you know I have I have friends who are competitive fighters and you know they're great at what they do but we try to understand what it's for what it's not for if you're in a different environment you have to understand that environment the dangers of it I mean this, this is where FMA crosses over. I've played with people, you know, I tell them like, okay, I'm going to keep training knives on me. And then we, we, we start to play, start to roll or start to spar. At some point, a knife comes out. And even though you tell them, it's it's still a surprise. You know, it's like, oh, okay, I understand that there's a certain part of my programming that's less prepared for a certain context. So I don't know if I'm making sense with any of this, but oh, that's my outlook yes. on, on MMA. Like, it's great, but you have to understand the context. No, that's good. Makes perfect sense. All right. So in all your years, I mean, from when your father started, you know, playing with you to your, all your formal training, is there one philosophy within martial arts that you've learned that is just super important to you? It's on the top of your list. You keep coming back to it. Oh, well, that one I'll have to give to uh, my uh, Bagua training. Okay. It's, um, so Bagua is the art of change. So you, you, you do your practice, you learn, you learn your movements, your structures and all that. But it's really about how you adapt to a changing environment. So in combat, you know, in sparring, I've certainly taken that, I've taken that to heart. Just 
allow myself to to flow and adapt with what's coming in like trust what's been programmed into my body through training and then just allow it out it's been surprising just from the basic bagua practice you know circle walking and doing the changes the kind of applications the kind of responses that come out even in like not not like full contact sparring but like reasonably uh higher pressured non-compliant training you know we're swinging at each other people are trying to take you down that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and the body responses just start to emerge you know and you stick to these basic principles like i don't want to get hit i don't want to get taken down i want depending on the the severity of of your training it's like i want to stop the other person in a certain way like more kindly or less kindly Mm -hmm. and then the solutions emerge so and it's that's branched out into business into life i mean if i had had my way when i was like an 18 year old kid just graduated from high school i would have been uh like a small town underpaid like christian school band director somewhere i mean no disrespect to people whose career that is but you know i at some point i accepted that there's a lot more in life and it's not always something i can predict so if i stick to my core principles and and prepared to adapt it, it'll help me move forward and that, that's that's what i've experienced to this point i mean I, I never would have guessed that i would have had a book out or owned a school or half the half the places i played uh music in, through the course of my lifetime I, I never would have guessed music would have taken me so far and introduced me to so many great people but you know i stick to these principles of you know for music just being as good as i can be and being honest to myself artistically, and then the opportunities have come out literally worldwide, you know, and I'm taking that pattern now to uh, my martial arts business. If I'm honest and open about my martial arts material and experience, if I'm good to people, uh, and if I try to connect through, uh, you know, if, if, if I grow my network through sharing value, then the quote-unquote applications will will arise. The, the the results of holding those principles will will come out as a natural result. I've seen it happen. It's happening now. I'm pretty confident it's going to happen. But that's I feel like that's all kind of an extension of of um, my understanding of Bagua. I like that. All right, I have some a few fun questions to wrap it up. Yeah. Now this one it doesn't have to be four. I've had as few as two and as many as eight. So just three, four, five names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts. As a Filipino or a Filipino American, mm-hmm. I'd probably put uh, Chief Lapu Lapu. He's a guy who uh, who offed Magellan uh, during his <laughs> nice. circumnavigation. Okay. There's actually a cool statue of him in Cebu, like right where that battle happened this big beautiful statue of the guy who uh the guy who killed magellan nice but i put him on there let's see uh dong hai chuan for for me is uh, the the um i don't know about founder but the the, the person who promoted bagua publicly mm-hmm. uh kind of progenitor of the the system i feel like bruce lee i mean that's part of we teach some of his uh, jeet kune do at our school mm-hmm. and i feel like he did a lot as far as like the modern modern outlook of of martial arts so let's see that's three. Oh man macho man randy savage because nice. I, I gotta put a wrestler in there <laughs> i like it he's uh, a figure of note i mean if, if people who have never seen him wrestle live are still impersonating him on you know in the gyms or, or on social media i feel like i feel like he's earned a broader place in in martial history so cool i like that you're, you're definitely the first person to ever mention him so that's that's nice. kind of cool. Yeah, I still I still think of him when I eat uh, Slim Jims or Snap or uh, Slim Jim. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's good. That just made me laugh. That's that's definitely actually your four. Might I don't think anyone's ever mentioned any of your four before. It's a pretty good Mountain Rushmore there. Breaking new ground here. There you go. Great. All right, now you're 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 a kid of the eighties and nineties. So do you have a favorite martial arts video game? Oh man, there was the. Uh... Well, I, I can tell you what I spent a lot of quarters on as a kid. Okay, there was the the Turtles uh, Ninja Turtles uh, arcade game. The four different controllers. Yeah, yes. yeah, you could you could you could play as all four turtles yep. uh, with your friends if you wanted. That, was, a good that one. was yeah. I definitely spent a lot of a lot of quarters on that. Eventually, I ended up uh, on Mortal Kombat. Nice. I had a, the Sega Genesis version. 
you know, and everyone, everyone was all, all tickled because you could turn the pixels red instead of whatever, like green or whatever other color <laughs> yep. you get your pixelated blood and, and, uh, 32 bit, uh, skulls and stuff. What, whatever it was that, that, that upset traditional media people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Moral combat. And I, the Tekken games nice. eventually when they came out, yep. there was another, um, like mild breakthrough for me for, as far as understanding the bigger world of martial arts. Cause you know, back then I was just fresh out of Taekwondo. It's like kicks and punches or kicks and punches to me. I didn't really understand that there was more. Right. But then I, you know, you see all these characters, different styles and, and the, I, I got to give them credit. Like the, the Japanese gaming programmers, when they research fighting styles, they're actually like, there's a lot of accuracy in a lot of these games. So, right. Uh, there was a character in one of the Tekkens. He, he does uh Shingichuan. Mm. It's like a, a very, like it's one of the, one of the main Chinese internal arts, but you, you rarely see it either publicly performed or represented in any media. Right. Outside of, you know, like Chinese, maybe Chinese action movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I watched it like it, my little understanding of internal arts at the time. Like, oh, that's that character does that style. Like, I've, I've never seen that before, you know, or, or you know, the uh, Capoeira guys, uh, sumo, yes. like you, you just mash them all together. Soul Calibur, I think that was that was back in the 90s. You had all the different weapon, uh, weapon fighting, but it, it was basically Tekken with weapons in their hands right but i, I enjoyed all that stuff nice. um and i have to admit to uh people don't think of it as much as a martial martial art but a- anything with a light gun where you're shooting at a screen wow. like i i had a, i gotta get a big kick out of that very cool all right how about now this one you can't pick your own a favorite martial arts book ah let's see that's, that's a tough one because my my library at home is is uh spilling over with with other people's great work but <laughs> All right, let me reach over. All right. I don't know if it's a specific book I'd pick because I own several, right. but books by Rory Miller. Yeah, I just interviewed Rory. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is such a soapbox for me, especially with, uh, you know, having a, a background in these traditional arts. It's like we need to understand them from the context of modern human violence. Right. So you know, I, I spent a lot of time reading his work and, and a lot of, you know, similar authors because I want people, I don't want to be just like a, a historian of these arts or, or just like a, a cardio kickboxing class teacher. You know, like I don't want it to be just the exercise or just the history. Like I want people, if, if they want personal safety out of the practice, I want them to un- honestly understand it from, you know, the terms of human violence. Right. So yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of his, uh, of his material. So I have several of his books on my shelf and I'm sure if I dig enough through the clutter, I, I might have a, a video of his or so somewhere. Very cool. It was a great interview. That episode comes out in about a week and a half. Nice. I will be on top of that one. All right. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Uh, TV show. The show's uh, maybe a little of the, the nerdier. I mean, we're all, if we're a martial artist, we're all nerds, but yep, definitely I've enjoyed the uh, the old uh, David Carradine kung fu show. Okay, I mean not not for the martial arts. <laughs> I have to clarify. Yes, but it, it was the early version was just it's something I can look back on as representing try, trying to represent Eastern thought to a Western audience. Right, uh, and I, I appreciate it for that. That answer has been given a few times. So. <laughs> yeah, and guilty pleasure. I, I enjoyed the. Uh, the second version of that show, just because it was just ridiculous and over the top. Kung Fu, the legend yeah, continues. <laughs> See, I, I, I did too. I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I think me yeah. and you were the only ones that enjoyed that. Because <laughs> all my <laughs> other guests, like, God, no, I couldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I experienced the same the same feeling of cringe as, as I'm sure everyone else did. Mm-hmm. But it was that kind of stuff fascinates me too. Like, yes. I love campy, campy movies, campy media, like, and... Just to see to see that subject matter and David Carradine himself just like blow that whole thing out of the water with just over the top, you know. I so I enjoyed it, but maybe not for the reasons they wanted it to be enjoyed. Right, right. So, so I got to ask then, since you remember that show, because a lot of people don't even remember there was a sequel. Do you remember the show that was around the same time called Street Justice? <sighs> it was with Carl Weathers who played Apollo Creed and a and a oh, hung, and a hungar stylist named Brian Genesee. I feel like I would have seen that, but okay. I, for the life of me, I can't remember any of it. 
Yeah, it was it was a cop. Yeah. Like Carl Weathers was a cop, and Brian Genesee was this young guy who lived with him that was a martial artist and helped him solve crimes and stuff. <laughs> it was a fun show. I enjoyed it. Is that online somewhere? Not now. I'm now I'm intrigued. If it is, I haven't found. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some episodes on YouTube, but I haven't found the full series yet. Oh wow, Street but Street, street Justice. Justice. Yeah, yeah. I need to I need to find it because I want to. I'd love to rewatch it and see. Just like I say, because I probably haven't watched it since the early '90s, so just I know in my head how good I think it was. <laughs> Yeah. Did that go like a full season or, or more than I one season? I want to say it went at least two seasons. I want to say it has got to be out there somewhere then. At least to 91 to 93. <laughs> so yeah, two seasons. Nice. All right. Uh, that's, uh, that's on my well, that's you, on If my you find now. it, you got to let me know because I definitely want to rewatch it and just see. So <laughs> that's good. All right. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Oh, man. I'm a big fan of Big Trouble in Little China. Nice. I don't like, you know, it, it's not like saying enter the dragon or anything awesome. Oh, that, that was an awesome movie too. Yes. But there's something about, you know, like I said, I'm a fan of campy stuff and over the top and, and just the way that movie is from start to finish. It's just, it's just so satisfying. <laughs> yeah. And, and the martial arts were cool too. Like they got, they got legit martial arts people to do, to do all this stuff and, and all the, the generation of, of stunt guys back mm-hmm. then, like you yep. have all these, these great luminary uh, martial arts figures. So as far as that's concerned, you get cool martial arts representation, but just everything else about that movie is just so satisfying. Yeah. Like uh, we, we've had a couple watch parties at the school for that. Nice. And like, it, I mean, I'm, I've been meaning to show other movies, but that's always the first one I reach <laughs> for. And, and I, I have to be honest, I have not received complaints yet. That's awesome. Like, oh, we, we just get to watch it. We just get to watch the same movie again together. Like, okay. So I'm, uh, I'm assuming you're also a fan of the last dragon then. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched that as much, but I, yeah, I enjoy that a lot okay. too. Cause that's right uh, up there with that one and big trouble in China right up there together for me. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta get uh one, one day when I can afford the, the, the video advertising, I, I get myself in, um, that that colored in lightning uh, effect. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or or shooting 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 the the lightning uh, like like the character. Show gun Harlem and Bruce Leroy. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Okay. Nice. All right. Final martial arts question. This one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. Just a favorite movie fight scene. Oh man. Here here's two extremes. Okay. So one extreme. Basically, the whole last uh, John Wick movie, John Wick Four. Nice. I don't even consider that separate fight scenes. It just it just seems like one long, like <laughs> three hour fight scene to me. Okay. On the other on the other side of the spectrum, there's that scene in Indiana Jones where uh, the guy's swinging the sword around and then he, <laughs> Indy just shoots him. Yep. So, so you're the second person that said that in the last week for me. <laughs> That's I, awesome. You have to admit it's a very practical solution to that circumstance. Oh yeah, I, I love you know I, I've watched you know I said earlier like my my martial arts career started from media, so mm-hmm. I've just endless endless references back like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm-hmm. just some like they portrayed the beauty of Chinese martial arts in in a particular way. You know there there's uh, like the real artistic look at, at those arts. I, I feel like that I credit that movie in part to, to me pursuing uh, more of the Chinese arts in general. Okay. Just like kind of the, the beauty and athleticism uh, of it. Yeah. And I'm a musician too. So the, the artsy stuff kind of strikes a chord with me, but then, you know, I, I grew up watching Rambo movies too, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, pop up out of the woods and knife a guy in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, there's a Filipino martial arts. There's the the movie The Hunted, oh, Benicio yes. del Toro, and Great and uh, yeah, they're they're knifing each other too. But and part of that was the representation, like oh, here's here's uh, these arts that are part of our Filipino martial arts, and now we we get to see it on screen in a in a more primary way. So yeah, I mean, that's martial arts media. That's probably at least another hour or more of conversation if you let it. But I've seen a lot of cool media i actually i have a bit part in um uh, you can look it up if you are you and the audience can look it up if you want a uh, legendary masters council it was a martial arts uh martial arts short film project put on by one of my friends okay. it's up on vimeo for for rent or rent or purchase i don't do any fighting in it because it's a it's a pilot but you see me in there um i have i have kind of a bit part in there 
They do a lot of other fighting, but I'm they're waiting for later. If, if the project picks up and does more episodes, then uh, you might see me actually hitting people in that one. But uh, cool. yeah, we'll definitely check legendary that out. masters council. Okay. I will check that out. And then uh, final question. I know I, I, I noticed on your website that you actually host a clarinet podcast called clarinet dojo. And I'm just wondering any, any thoughts of a martial arts podcast? You know, I'd thought of that again during lockdowns. Mm-hmm. I think it would just be a matter of, finding the time because we, we don't we i have a lot of friends in martial arts i mean this, I, th- I feel like uh, a lot of podcast projects started when we just had a lot of time and we wanted to talk to our friends and colleagues that is true but that's definitely where my clarinet podcast came out of and you, you you hear it in the tone like i don't know anything about editing i just like threw it up there and you know, like I'm just I'm just talking to my friends. You know, doing shop talk for for some time. Or I had one episode, I think, up to three hours. We're just sitting there yakking about wow. just incredibly nerdy clarinet stuff that only people in the in that industry would find possibly find interesting. Plus, a lot of just catching up on life. So yeah. you know, I haven't seen some of these people in in years. But I think at some point, I, I mean, I'm open to it and. My my business partner and I share a similar taste in media, so we're we're thinking about you know maybe just doing a, a mystery science theater three thousand style uh, commentary over stuff. Very cool. So it's a possibility. I I don't know that I have the the time or energy right now to to jump into that. It is but. time consuming. I will tell you from lots of experience. I mean, I yeah, I, I love doing it, and I've been editing audio most of my life, but it's. Our interview here, it'll probably take me four to five hours to edit it and get it ready to release. Mm. So it's it's definitely time consuming. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I don't think I have that in my schedule. Nor nor do I have the the budget to farm it out to anyone right anyone else. So at some point, yeah, when I've made my millions and I can <laughs> do whatever I feel like, I'll I'll definitely find a slice of time for that. But. Well, I won't, like I said, I'll put links for all that stuff out there, but I just, I got to say, thank you, man. This has been so much fun. I know I, I, I knew literally nothing about you before you reached out about the book and stuff. And I'm, I'm so glad you did. Cause it, it's been a fun conversation. I'd love to, to meet you in person next time I'm, I'm going through Chicago. I'll have to pop in and check out your school, but it's, it's been a blast hearing your story and, and I can't wait to get the episode out. Yeah. Thank you. I had a lot of fun myself and I'm looking forward to going through your backlog of episodes and hearing all the other, hearing all of our other accounts colleagues and fellow nerds and their outlook on stuff yeah no it's it's, it's great I'm, I'm glad uh i'm glad these circumstances came together so yeah, me too me too it's been a blast and enjoy the rest of your day yeah, you too thanks thanks for listening to everyday martial artist we hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story if you enjoy the show be sure to leave us a review also be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com there you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions again thanks for listening to everyday martial artist and we'll see you next week